1: This is Andy Lopez and you're listening to Don't Panic, It's Organic. Music in the background is called Wild Arugula. That's right, Wild Arugula. Today's show, How to Control Spiders Naturally. You know, uh, spiders are a very important part of our ecosystem. They, they will eat many times their weight an insect every day. While most true insects have six legs, spiders have eight. They will vary in size from being, being very tiny to very large, depending on where in the world you happen to run across each other. I would rank Spiders in fourth place behind ants, which is in first place. Cockroaches second place. Fleas are in third place, and but they're ahead of uh, snails, gophers, and so on. As to uh, uh, the most feared uh, and disliked pests. One thing to realize there, there is that there are more good beneficial spiders than harmful spiders. A group, good rule of thumb that I've learned over the many years is that if the spider not bothering you, you don't bother it. So here's a list of uh, some spiders and how to control them on your plants and in and around your house. Red spiders. These are tiny spiders, are reddish in color, and are found on indoor plants which have, have very little air circulation. Usually the plants are under, under nutrition and under water. Over watering, we're trying to damage the plants more than the spiders would. To control, concentrate more on the health of the soil and the health of the plant and less on controlling the red spiders. However, if you have an unusually large amount of red spiders for plant, it's time time to make a few changes. One, repot the plant into a new compost type potting soil mixture. Two, before you repot, bathe the plant in a mild soapy water solution. You can spray the solution directly on the spiders or you can bathe bathe the plant, your entire plant, the pot. And all, and, and all other, all of it with warm water with a dash of Dr. Bronner's soap, It'd be harmless to humans. Brown recluse spiders. Well, make sure you wear gloves when working in areas such as the garage, wooded areas, etc. Avoid contact whenever possible. Use natural soaps to control. Um, You just have to find the right strength. The Arizona brown spider, um, avoid them at all costs. Wear gloves when when working near possible spider sites can be controlled by using soaps such as Dr. Bronner's Peppermint Soap. Spray directly on spiders will kill them. You want, again, learn the right strength to mix. Uh, Garden grade, food grade, diatomaceous earth works really well here also. And there are lots of other different types of natural sprays that you can use. Essential oils work really well too. Um, the, uh, the, uh, black widows should, of course, be left alone if, if possible. Uh, the males are harmless. If you do have a black widow, or if you think you have brown, of course, it's always really good to get a professional, organic, pest control person to come. The same thing with tarantulas. If you have a tarantula, I would not only leave it alone, but I would contact, uh, someone to come and take it away for you. So, Here are some, uh, basics that you can, uh, things that you can use. By the way, the uh, song in the background is called Ancient Vegetables. So here are some of the natural sprays that you can use. You can use Orange TKO, Orange TKO Citrus. It's a really nice, clean, uh, citrus cleaning product, but it's made from citrus oil. It can be used, I've been recommending it for many years now for a wide variety of things. It will kill them on contact. You just, again, gotta learn the right strength. Usually one tablespoon per gallon will work. I would try, uh, you can make it as strong as one tablespoon per quart of, of water. Garlic will also kill them on contact. You can avoid uh, being bitten by the, the spiders if you eat garlic. Uh, another trick would be to take a uh, clove of garlic, cut it in half, put each half clove in your shoe. You'll smell that garlic. Unfortunately, everybody else will know it too so that might work to some extent one way you can make the garlic you take an ounce of crushed garlic in a pantyhose let so it sit in a gallon of water for about an hour uh, then spray the water I wouldn't be using the garlic so much inside the house as outside the house the citrus is much uh, nicer smell inside the house <laughs> trust me outside is great outside around that the eaves of the house around the outside of the house uh it stops them from getting in uh any natural castile soap will also work also again i use the dr Bronner's soap because they're wonderful the, the lavender the peppermint the eucalyptus the almond you know the tea tree oil um all of the varieties uh, just pick the one you like make the right strength Um, usually I found that uh, one ounce in a gallon of water will also uh, will work Uh, you can definitely put an ounce in a in a a quarter water It's very strong you don't really need that in a quarter water I would probably put maybe a couple of tablespoons, two or three tablespoons, to see how that works. Cedar oil will also kill them. Just be careful not to make it too strong, or you will get sick when the strong odor. is very, very strong. Uh, I would try um, in a uh, in a gallon of water, probably do a tablespoon. <laughs> That's really strong and again i would probably not do the cedar oil inside so much as i would outside again they're very strong um so the part of the scenario too is you you want to make sure you locate the source so uh, i would do a yearly cleanup spring cleaning in the garage any areas you have things stashed stacked up you know go through that if you get rid of the source, you'd be better—you'd you, be better off in, in controlling the spiders. Um, so make sure you look around the, the house. Uh, I would get somebody to do it for you—somebody to do, take you check out the if water's leaking, They will also attract spiders. Uh, take a look at the screens, repair any broken screens, any way that they're getting into the house. Garden grade or food grade diatomaceous zergs works really well outside. Uh, there's also spider traps that you can buy. You can place around. I like the Ultimate Flea Trap, which not only clashes fleas, but because of the way the light system works, it will catch spiders and various other things. So that's one way for you to deter- <coughs> for you to tell if you're, you know, if they're coming back. So I would. Once you're done with this, I would get an ultimate flea trap. Plug one into the wall in the garage, say somewhere. And every once in a while, check it. If you start seeing more more spiders on there, you know they're back. Uh, so that would be basically uh, it for today on how to control spiders naturally. A few people have been asking me about that question, so I decided to... Uh, do their show today. Uh, my e- its all in my ebook, "How to Control Spiders Naturally," with which uh, members should have. Uh, and of course, you're always welcome to go to the store and buy it. <laughs> Attention,
0: gardeners! How would you like to learn how to get rid of unwanted pests like ants and mosquitoes without using harmful pesticides? With the growing concern about West Nile virus, killer bees, and the use of synthetic pesticides, there is a better way. Go to www.invisiblegardener.com. Andy Lopez, the Invisible Gardener, provides alternatives to chemical products using natural ingredients you may already have at home. Do you have gardening questions or problems? Get the help you need at www.invisiblegardener.com. Join the Invisible Gardeners of America and take their online gardening classes. The Invisible Gardener has helped gardeners since 1972, and he can help you too. Visit www.invisiblegardener.com. You can talk directly to him about your gardening questions right here on The Invisible Gardener every Saturday morning, and you can reach Andy Lopez, The Invisible Gardener, anytime at www.invisiblegardener.com. Check it out on the website. That's www.invisiblegardener.com www.invisiblegardener.com
1: Hi, this is Andy. Make sure you go to d- Invisible Gardener. That's G-A-R-D-E-N E-R dot com. Thank you. Bye. Hello.
0: Good morning, Andy. It's time for you to start your radio show. Have a good one. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Hello and welcome to the Mental Health Hotline.
1: If you are obsessive-compulsive, press 1 repeatedly. If you are codependent, ask someone to press
0: 2 for you. If you have multiple personalities, press 3, 4, 5, and 6. If you are paranoid, we know what you are and what you want. Stay on the line and we'll trace your call. If you're delusional, press 7 and your call will be transferred to the mothership. If you are schizophrenic, listen
1: carefully in a small voice who will tell you which number to press. If you are depressive, it doesn't matter which number you press, no one will answer you. If you are dyslexic, press 69696969. If you have a nervous disorder,
0: please fidget with the hash key until the beep. After the beep, please wait for the beep. If you have a short-term memory loss, please try your call again later. And if you have low self-esteem, hang up. All our operators are too busy to talk to you.
1: Hello, everybody. This is Andy Lopez, and you're listening to Don't Panic, It's Organic. On today's show, we're going to be doing how to protect your trees from the drought. So don't go away. Be right back.
0: Can we see by the one light in all Our earth to embrace At the call of all nations Where our children can play In a world without
1: war Where we stand hand
0: in hand In the grace of creation Where the rivers run clean Through the forests of green Where the cities stand
1: tall In the clear skies of Anthem by Stephen Longfellow Fisk. Visit his website at fiskmusic.com. A lot of folks have asked me to uh, play that again since I haven't been playing in a while, so there it is. Um, and then I'm also going to play, play "How Do You Want Your World?" Uh, before the show is over with, because they they want that one too. I I agree.
0: No, I It's it we Oh, it, get Oh,
1: thing that I see that's happening so far is that with the uh, the drought comes along the fact that we've been like for here in California we've been taking the groundwater out into wells typing the water up taking a long time for that groundwater to get down there and it'll take a long time for it to get back down there again we need to control that but that's another issue but what's really happening is that the trees the root systems are not being able to tap into this underground water and and as the drought moves along, and like wintertime is almost over with already and we're still in January here and it's starting to get warmer already. You're going to find it's going to get warmer sooner, it's going to be hotter longer, and it's going to dry out faster and it'll be less water and less and less water down to the root system. The big trees are not finding the water down below where they used to get it before. So the first thing that I would sit, tell people is to provide deep watering through a drip system. Don't do this. 10-minute watering overhead. Sure, it provides them some water to their root systems that are close to the surface, and they get some water, and they don't entirely die out. But if your deep roots die, you'll die too. The tree would die also. So water needs to get down as deep as possible. So I myself, I use what I call tree vents. These are clay drain pipes about a foot long and four inches wide, and they're made of clay. Clay is porous, and it allows the water to seep sideways as well as down. Uh, and uh, they get placed midway between the trunk and the drip line. Each tree should get about four of them planted at around 12 o'clock, 3 o'clock, 6 o'clock, and 9 o'clock. Now, you can say each tree? Well, it depends. If you have a group of trees, you can figure out a way to place them so that they all get their watering. Now, a foot deep is not very deep, but it does get to water down deeper. You can do two feet, even three feet. There have been uh, tree vents that are deeper. Uh, but they make him out of the, of the plastic ones, and the, and the water goes down really deep. And you want to have it sideways, and also, too. So, uh, if you can do the one or two feet deep and hook a one or uh, at least a two gallon per hour drip head, then you want to water at least one hour per week. I say at least, it depends on the type of soil that you have if you if if it's uh, you have it on for an hour and it's dripping down and you find that the water is not percolating all the way down, it's just overflowing. Uh, you may have a hard pan. Hard pan is another issue we'll cover. It. But uh, you want the water just to percolate down, so you may have to e- build it up. You may do say half hour, and then slowly build it up to an hour. Or you may find that in an hour it's all gone, so you may have to give it two hours. Two hours is an ideal amount of watering. And you you only really need to do that maybe twice a month, right, every other week. Once a week if it's a real, really bad scenario, you know. But you also it's important that you allow it to dry out in between times. So that's one of the key issues you want to do there. Uh, another thing that uh, I didn't get to write it in my, in my uh, 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 column, but you want to do a fertigation unit you want to attach to the drip. So you, a fertigation is a combination of... Uh, fertilizer and irrigation, so these are units that are meant to be put, inject fertilizer into the sprinkler system and of course when I'm talking about fertilizer, I mean organic systems so this is an ideal scenario, an ideal way to uh, add what's missing in the soil, because one of the things that's happening to the soil as it dries up is that the bacteria dies, the bacteria dies, the soil goes dead that's what we mean by live soil, dead soil, it's the bacteria that's that's alive, makes the soil alive, the microbes makes the soil alive, the yeast and minerals that then becomes available to the plants because the plants have their own bacteria and their root hairs too, also, see? So one of the things, the reasons why the tree vents really work really well is I, I call them um, uh, microbe centers, you know, micro little colonizers. So in uh, each tree vent should be your, your micro colonies is what I call it. This is where you put your compost and your rock dust along with your good organic tree fertilizer. Uh, I also place uh, coffee beans here that have been fused with bacteria. I'll be talking to you about that in another show. Uh, we want to to uh, we want the tree event to be placed now, so to not only for deep water, but it's also a place for the microbes to get established. Okay, uh, and if you put any chemical fertilizer in there, we'll kill it. So what you're doing is you're setting up a way to re-micro... Rebacterialize bacterialize the soil because the soil is constantly it's under attack killing the bacteria off so you have a way to provide deep watering right slow watering that's another thing too is that you need to put make sure uh... that you have a garden that the, you filter the water i'll talk to you about that in a second so you have deep watering going through percolating through you make a mixture in the tree vents so that the water percolates through and this mixture of being compost and rock dust because the compost is normally the way you do it, right? The normal way to do it is you should make compost with rock dust. You put, you get animal manure, different types of animal manure the better because of different types of microbes. You get the rock dust, you put the two together in an environment that they're gold nuts, that would be their composting process. Once you're done, that's compost is bacterially rich, minerally rich compost. See, and that's what normally should go into your tree vents. Uh, and then you add so you know you can add organic fertilizer to that. You don't even need an organic fertilizer if you do it right, but yeah, an organic fertilizer would be very good to provide a variety of other nutrients that the main, uh, may lack. But usually the compost is not being made properly these days, and that's another show coming up, uh, on compost, you know. Uh, but, uh, so that's why I take, I always add compost to the rock, to, I mean, I always add rock to, oh, compost to the rock toss, rock dust to the compost, see, and, and make sure that it has the two together. the compost that I buy I I also make sure that the compost is alive you want live compost anything you buy in the it's in a plastic bag is not alive if it can't breathe it's not alive you see so I usually buy I so I used to make compost for a long time it's called Organa I don't do it anymore because I'm too old for this kind of stuff my doctor says don't lift up anything more than five pounds and I said okay so I have a student who took took over the compost production and makes excellent live compost with worms and everything in it, it's still alive, and uh, rock dust uh, added to it very rich, bacterially rich products, so I take that. Even then, I still add rock dust to it to make sure (coughs) that it's really covered. That's what you want, a a microbial colony, constantly bring the bacteria back to the soil and the water, Makes it happy, happy down in there. It'll it'll last longer through the drought. Those trees will be, the roots will get their water. They won't die. You you know you can stretch the water, else the tree will survive the drought because the drought won't last forever. Uh, so uh, what I mentioned before is that you want to get a garden filter. So there's a really good garden filter on the market called Garden Grow. Uh, you you hook that right into your inline system, so that when the drip when the water goes out, it gets you have clean Water going out to the trees into your garden. Uh, to, ideally, you do it for your whole property, but that's very expensive. So you just get the garden grow filter hook it into your drip system, and you got it. Fifty-five thousand uh, gallons. It needs to be uh, cleaned. <clears throat> uh, the other thing I would do is to do to, to apply foliar applications once a month if possible. Uh, find your local spraying company, organic spraying company. That would be me. I do that. I've been doing that since the sixth grade. That's how I got the Don't Panic, It's Organic when I started spraying things. Uh, and so I have a spraying rig. Uh, in the rig, I, th- I mainly what I spray, I tell people I don't spray anything stronger than coffee, cream, and sugar, <laughs> and coffee, okay? Um, so I spray bac- I spray these bacteria and I spray these minerals. I actually spray a product called Super Seaweed, which I invented. So that's got all the bacteria. It doesn't have the bacteria in it, it has the, the minerals in it because the bacteria is, uh, I have the bacteria in a suspended state. So once you add it to water, add it to oxygen, the bacteria wake up and they do their thing. So once I put it in my sprayer, it gets oxygenated, the bacteria go nuts. If I let it sit there for too long, you can smell it is like making a tea, right? I spray that through through the foliar application, you can get the minerals to the plants. What also helps them because what happens is is that the drip system by the time you get to the tr- to the roots of the trees, the roots are starting to die off. The means the bacteria and the root hairs, everything's not working. It's going to take a while for that microbe and everything to re-bring everything back. And the interim is minerals are, are missing. That's where you, you do the foliar application. You can do all kinds of really cool things. You can spray rock dust tea. You can spray compost tea. Uh, lots of ways to get the minerals and bacteria back onto the plants. raises the bricks level. Remember we talked about bricks level before. Uh, the other thing you want to do is around the whole pr- place, you want to apply rock dust, compost, and mulch. You want to use a zeta-gardenia mix, which is a nice acid mulch. The mulch can also come from uh, ground-up trees. You know you know how the tree companies, they do a lot of grinding. Just see if you can get something nice and clean. Use that as a mulch to cover it. The idea is you protect the soil uh, from the sun.
0: Attention, gardeners, how would you like to learn how to get rid of unwanted pests like ants and mosquitoes without using harmful pesticides? With the growing concern about West Nile virus, killer bees, and the use of synthetic pesticides, there is a better way. Go to www.invisiblegardener.com. Andy Lopez, the Invisible Gardener, provides alternatives to chemical products using natural ingredients you may already have at home. Do you have gardening questions or problems? Get the help you need at www.invisiblegardener.com. Join the Invisible Gardeners of America and take their online gardening classes. The Invisible Gardener has helped gardeners since 1972, and he can help you too. Visit www.invisiblegardener.com. You can talk directly to him about your gardening questions right here on The Invisible Gardener every Saturday morning, and you can reach Andy Lopez, The Invisible Gardener, anytime at www.invisiblegardener.com. Check it out on the website. That's www.invisiblegardener.com www.invisiblegardener.com
1: Hi, this is Andy. Make sure you go to Invisible Gardener. That's G-A-R-D-E-N-E-R.com Thank you. Bye. I started my business in the sixth grade doing everything organically and uh, by the ninth grade I had 150 customers I developed don't panic It's organic somewhere during that time frame um, <clears throat> and it, even then there was a big argument whether or not organically grown food And conventionally grown food were different, other than you know the obvious difference in terms of pesticide use. um, You know the damage it does to the environment, whether it's pesticides safe or not, even though they say it's safe, and it's still pretty much going on now. And In a recent LA Times article, a columnist wrote that there is no difference between organically grown food and conventionally grown food. He cites several studies that prove there is no difference between the nutritional levels and he cites doctors and they all say the same thing. Eating conventionally grown produce is not, the only, not only safe but just as nutrition. It is besides the fact that it it totally ignores environmental issues, health issues of not just the consumer but the workers that pick it, as well as the fact that powerful business forces are at work here to keep the public confused, in my opinion. Let's ignore these issues for now, and let's take a look at what is wrong with this idea that organic food and conventionally grown food is equal. First off, not every organic farmer knows what they are doing, just like not everyone that makes compost knows what they are doing. You are are only as good a gardener, farmer, as the compost you make. Not all composts are equal, just like not all organic farmers are equal. Some are actual organic farmers while others are in name only. Many farmers have decided to go organic because they will then be able to sell their products for more. If, but more. But if I were to ask them just one question, and if they failed that question, then they would not only they would not only the same have not, they would not only have the same problems as the conventionally grown, but their produce, their food, their product would not be any more nutritional than them especially if if the conventional farmer either does not make or use compost but also does not apply rock dust you know I talk a lot about rock dust I talk a lot about compost there's a basic law of nature that says you get out what you put in you want trace minerals then you put that into the soil however you cannot just throw rock dust everywhere and expect the minerals to then become available to the plants, even rock dust. All rock dusts are not the same. Some are rich in calcium, but low in iron, others are higher in other minerals. It all depends from what part of the world and how it was made that determines what minerals it has. okay so the article as well as the studies do not even mention soil depletion I wonder why if your soil is depleted of minerals then the produce growing on it will also be depleted in minerals I'm not making this stuff up there is a key to this problem okay in the article which mentions taste lady says, I like it because it tastes better. The better the taste, the more minerals it has, i.e. sea bricks levels versus mineral uh, articles that I wrote. Taste tells us we should eat it or not. We have developed over the years to eat what is sweet, but tastes sweet, and not what tastes bitter. Pests have developed along the same lines except that Nature and her wisdom made it such that when a plant has high bricks, it would have a high sugar level, which in turn means higher minerals, which in turn means higher complex carbohydrates. Insects, by the way, and you're thinking, wait a minute, sugar, ants, they like that, insects like that. Here's the key to it. It's the difference between complex carbohydrates and simple carbohydrates. Okay. So yeah, they're going to have higher, uh, they may have a higher, more sugar level for right food for the insects because it would be simple carbohydrates. But none of you, if it was rich in minerals, which would then make it complex carbohydrates and the in- insects cannot de- eat that and they will die. So no insects, no pests. To remember high nitrogen fertilizer is bad because they make the plants grow fast they're weak and deficient in the minerals okay so when I started my business back in 1956 I heard the same from the forces that chemical and organic produce are equal in nutritional value what's a little pesticide that has not changed over the many years you really want to know uh, then I will test. I w- what I would do is I would, you know, have a, a controlled test. Uh, I would actually get a real organic farmer that knows what they're doing, a conventional farmer that supposedly knows what they're doing. I wouldn't worry about getting a neutral. I mean, it's nobody, that, somebody didn't know what they were doing because yeah, you're not going to get the results for anything, anything. But I would get th- those two folks actually have them grow it one of the problems with these surveys is really a survey of a survey the latest survey that this article refers to is really a survey of all the surveys they took, you t- took 300 surveys put them together and and did the survey of the surveys you look at the sur- at those surveys and very few if any have actually gone through the process of growing everything up themselves growing organically over here and growing a chemical over here and even then who are they to know are they good farmers are they actual far uh, is there any one of them in the survey an actual organic farmer or they should say are they just, just saying doesn't make any difference you just grow organically over here how are you going organically well we're not using any pesticides and we went on and got some organic fertilizer and put that down See you know what i'm saying it's like so you have to have a skilled organic farmer that knows what they're doing. I would try one of the, uh, of the Rodale Group, right, or the Desmith It's forty acres organic been grown for years, or the Biodynamic Institute. You know, <laughs> any of these folks, the Permaculture Institute will will be happy to show you how to do it right. And and, and you know, there's another word that. That wasn't even mentioned in the article, and that's sustainability. You know what sustainability is, right? <laughs> okay, so you know here we have a chemically grown, conventionally grown uh, produce, and, the, and if they don't put the rock dust in the mineral, and that soil is going to be depleted more and more every year, and they're not going to get, they may get something that looks like produce, but it's nothing in there, and you can't tell me that that's the same. As when you do it, an organic, a real organic farmer, which you are constantly building the soil, building the soil, working on it, get it to so sustainable. I mean, every year it gets better and better and better and better. And yeah, you and you have the mineral contents are constantly high and there, and you can't tell me that's not going to be this, that's going to be the same. So I, I rest my case. <laughs> Thank you very much for listening to my show. This is Andy Lopez. No
0: panic. It's organic. The oh, way that's made to be committed. Oh,
1: no Hello, everybody. This is Andy Lopez, and you're listening to "Don't Panic, It's Organic." This is a, uh, a special edition, and I'm going to—I'm calling it the details. So many of you may or may not know that I do a local uh, service here in in Malibu, and uh, it's a monthly service. And so I'm going to explain to you what I did. And more specifically, I'm, I have a, I have a person who wants to know what I am billing her for. The details, she says. She won't pay me until I give her the details. So I guess natural spraying, organic spraying of your property is not enough. So I'm going to give you the details. Unfortunately, in an invoice, you don't have room for be putting everything down. And, and this is a rather unique system. So I'm going to go over it. So there's basically two parts. It has to do with the first part is the plants. And the second part is the soil. So people say, what is it you do? Well, what I do is, in essence, is I take away the, uh, the responsibility of the, quote, gardeners. And I do all the organic, all the fertilization, which is always organic. All the natural pest control of the trees and the property. Make everything healthy. Help them avoid problems. Tell them what to do, uh, how to properly control water. I, they, they have to use compost and mulch. It's the only thing I don't, I don't do. I tell them you need to apply the compost. You need to put the mulch down in order for the system to work. So, when I deal with the soil, there are lots of different things that I apply to the soil. So, it, it, so, and this particular has to do with the plants and the soil. So. When I first do a property, like in this case, I went and did a property, the first thing I do is I spray the plants by spraying the plants. I get nutrients, minerals into the plants through fuller application because the soil is not working, So that's what I did this this visit That was the very first visit so that what I sprayed, and it's just so you like get an idea, so that basically I do is I spraying four times a year. Uh, It's called super seaweed. Okay, so this, uh, and then uh, I also spray four times a year with the different types of super seaweed called bloom. So the super seaweed is called micro that I spray four times a year, and the super seaweed that I call bloom that I spray four times a year. Super seaweed is an invention of mine, invented in the sixth grade. And uh, as for the ingredients of super seaweed, it's really A a long list of stuff That I've been working on for I don't know, I'm 67 (laughs) And so uh, there are many many things that go in there And so it's enough to say super seaweed And I tell people you want to know what's in super seaweed Or get some idea of what's in super seaweed You can go up to my website Invisiblegardener.com You'll see in the bottom it says says super seaweed micro On one of the menus there It gives you a list of all the different organisms in super seaweed okay i call it uh, primordial soup for a reason okay so basically it's taken me a long time to develop this to get this together it's taken me many many years of of looking for things Uh, i've been doing this since i started my business in the sixth grade and by the in 1970, I had the name Invisible Gardener already. And uh, uh in the sixth grade, I had, I had over 150 customers. I started doing a spraying service then. I started buying different things in the store, you know, and, and spraying them. I bought seaweed. And that's how I started making super seaweed. I Super seaweed is basically a blend. Initially, it started off with five types of seaweed. I'm still using that. But I'm very cautious now because uh, uh, the uh, ocean is more and more polluted. So eventually it may not be any seaweed around to use. So it may be called something different. But super seaweed is basically a microbiological activator. Okay, so and super seaweed is, uh, I call it primordial soup. Because I have basically discovered a certain type of. Uh, ancient bacteria. And so, uh, and so, I, 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 I cultivate that, that like I do yogurt. I make this blend. And this blend has, uh, bacteria and enzymes. It has an endo, endomacorrhiza, which I give you the names of it if you like. Uh, there's at least, a, well, the, the types that I have, let me see there's uh let's see 1 2 3 4 5 6 7 8 9 10 Okay so there's nine different types of endomycorrhiza There is 1 2 3 4 5 6 7 8 9 10 11 12 13 14 15 16 17 18 18 different type of ectomycorrhiza and this is not going to be a class, so I, there's, I'm not going to tell you the difference between endomycorrhiza and ectomycorrhiza. But that, that's what these are there. So those are the basic ones in there. And then, and then, of, of, the, of the microorganisms, okay. And then, I also add certain types of micro called tri, 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 triloderma. There's two different types of microbes that I add to it. These are beneficial microbes. These are for specifically for disease control. Then there are other different types of microbes, microbes that I add, which I have over the years basically collected. Uh, and I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, twelve seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Twelve different types of beneficial microbes which by the way somebody else already has it is called BM one person has the effective microorganism this the t- trademark for it and this person has the beneficial microorganism trademark and but you know I can give you names who won't help you at all of what these are I mean there's so, only so much detail that I'm willing to give out like I said it's not a class and so, we have the Endomycorrhiza, Glumus intradaceus, Glumus macia, Glumus aggregatum, Glumus monosporum, Glumus clarum, Glumus desortocola, Gysopora margarita. I don't know what they call that, the gisopora margarita. It might, maybe named after the lady. And this schisopora entocatium, the Pagormius, Yes. And on the, In the ectomycorrhizal world, you have Pistolias, which is a really cool uh, ectomycorrhiza. Risopogion, Arletocollis, Amilopogion. If you want to look them up, these are listed on, on the website. You can I give you I give you the list, a link. You look it up. You'll see that uh, they're written right down there. And so uh, they all. And then also too, I I I. I of course I use the different types of seaweed so I use um, I have seaborne I have sea crop I have uh, a variety of other different types of liquid seaweed also I use uh, edible seaweed for human consumption figuring that it would be cleaner you know than, than the the uh, uh, the type for plants and stuff, you know, so, uh, and I use that. And the, the, uh, the liquid seaweeds, uh, some of them come in a, in a, uh, liquid form. Uh, but most of them are already in a, in a powdered form. Uh, there are various different types of seaweeds. So I, like I said, uh, the ones I've been using for a long time is Crop is one of them. Um, it's a really wonderful, uh, uh, seaweed. And I also get the maxi crop with iron. Okay. <clears throat> and then, uh, uh, there's, uh, uh, two or three other different types, uh, Alaskan seaweed, uh, sea, uh, seaweed. I get, um, seaweed from, uh, uh, Canada. Actually it's from I- it's Iceland. And then I, I, I also use a, a variety of other, uh, uh, seaweed products, which I basically, uh, made with different types of seaweed or different types, not necessarily seaweed, but like algaes and kelp, kelp, things like that. So there, there are a variety of those, uh, products that I, that I use. And, uh, it, and this all goes into my super seaweed, okay? Uh, so, uh, and then, uh, I also use uh, in in the super seaweed. I also have uh, my rock dust blend because I also make. I don't sell rock dust. I use it as part of the service. That's what uh, that's what part two is in the soil. But I also add it to the liquid seaweed that I make. The liquid seaweed super seaweed Michael is currently going for $140 a quart. I use two and a half gallons of your of this stuff. Figure it out. Uh, so, and then in the in the seaway, of course, I have all my different types of rock dust. I get I get rock dust from about seven or eight different types of rock dust from around the world, including the azomite, the glacial rock dust and these are also the same thing i use in the soil so i get a powdered version and a, and a pelletized version the pelletized version i apply to the soil the powdered version i apply to the uh, as a liquid because uh, i let the bacteria eat the, the, the minerals and the liquid is a highly soluble microbiological highly mineralized liquid so not only does it have those in in the super seaweed but it also has uh, a- AgriGrow, th- these are things that I discovered throughout my, when I, for example, the, uh, uh, I used to go to uh, Fayetteville, Arkansas as one of the speakers at the organic conference there. And, uh, the Nitron A th- Nitron company would give it. So, Nitron A35 is an enzyme product I, I started buying from them in the early 70s. AgriGro is another enzyme product. Nitron is made for the uh, uh, folks in Fayetteville, Arkansas, they're not there anymore, they since died, Frank is probably still there, but the lady died, but the, they sell it with another person who's making it, and Agrigol is made by the Franks, the Smith brothers in Indiana, another different type of ensign, the, these two ensigns by themselves are amazing, but mixing together, so they're, they're a part of super seaweed. And then because I'm really crazy about this, I add Willard water. You can look up Dr. Willard. And Willard water is made for humans, but it's really highly soluble minerals, which I find wonderful for plants. And then on top of that, I, I get a, a mineral product, liquid minerals, from a doctor who sells minerals for humans. That goes into Super Seaweed. So the super seaweed is is one of the things that I invented, but that's one of the things that I grow. And so that's what I I used. One of the things I used on your property. When I first go to a property, I don't just go whole hog and do all kinds of things, because you have to work your way into it. So the first thing I do is I start foliar spraying. I spray the leaves of the plants, and I spray the. I I also sprayed your lawn. I treated all the trees are there. There are two trees there that were sick. So they got a little more treatment than the rest of the, of the trees which were fed. They were given by feedings. I don't use fertilizer. The micronutrients is more than enough. The bacteria that they get, they get the minerals through their leaves. You're going to have a problem there by the way. Your trees are going to die because they can't grow under that kind of sprinkler system that you had before. So that's one of the things I gave to them. I did that to the lawn. I did to whoever grasses you have there. There, And I, and I soaked the, uh, the two thick trees. And I also did deep root feeding for them as well. Then when it comes to the soil. Uh, this is what I used on your place. I used four different types of rock dust. And if you want details as to what each type of rock dust is then I'm you know you're welcome to listen to any of my rock dust shows we can go over rock dust Um, but I use four different types of rock dust actually maybe five or six different types of rock dust because I buy the rock dust and I blend them together not only do I just blend rock dust together I get endo and ectomycorrhizae the very same thing that I put in the seaweed I also liquid seaweed I also get the powdered pelletized version and put that into the sea into the rock dust. I also add biochar to the rock dust. I also add earthworm castings to the rock dust. And I also add compost to the to this mixture. So I this mixture is a ver is is and also a falfa meal before I forget. Gets okay, so all blended together and then I also added to that I added uh, it's called grow It's a soluble mycorrhiza. This particular one is in a powder form. I added, uh, 10 pounds of this. They're $89 a pound. But I got, I got it. I, I, I buy like, uh, I, I buy a whole bunch of one time. So what my cost is, is none of your, your none of your business, ex- actually, you know. But it, 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 you can look it up, uh, uh, and you see what they're selling it for. And it took me a long time to find the right ones that I want, because all the mycorrhizas are not the same. So, and then basically, I also, this very same company is called Fungi, F-U-N-G-I dot com. You can look it up. They sell mushroom fungi. Basically, you grow mushrooms. So, the whole thing I do in the property, the way I bring the soil back to life, is by growing mycelium. Mushrooms grow on the mycelium. That's how you can tell the, the soil's alive because you have mushrooms coming up. That tells you the mycelium is in the soil. You need the mycelium to make the plants healthy, to control the disease, and all that stuff. So basically what I'm doing is inoculating your property. Now I can't go whole hog on this because if I was to put a lot of it down, excuse me, <coughs> a lot of it dies. That's why it's important to do the compost and the mulching, which has not been done yet. That's one of the first things you do. Is you bring compost, you bring the mulch. I've, it's an organic saline mix, which is what I told you you should be using. I've already started the rock dust. You need to apply the compost and apply the saline gardenia mix, and then you plant. So that's what I charged you for. And that's, that's all the details I'm going to give you. Uh, I think, you know, it's also good. I'm doing this not for you, but I'm doing this for, my listeners, because they like to know what it is that I'm doing. So basically, I'm bringing the soil back to life, which takes time. That soil of yours is dead. You put anything down there, and they're dead. I'll pay you 100 bucks for any earthworms I find. Yeah, you get earthworms where your lawn is because they're getting water, but not out there on the slopes where it's growing, where all the plants grew. So I bring the soil back to life. That takes time. I've got to control the water. you got to start bringing in compost and mulch, right? At the, in the interim, I feed your plants foliarly. I do what it takes to keep them alive and healthy, and it does get better. So, as I said before, four times a year I spray Super Seaweed with the Micro. Four times a year I spray Super Seaweed with the Bloom, which is a different version of my Micro. Uh, uh, super Seaweed. The Super Seaweed has no nitrogen. It's not a fertilizer. It's a microbiological blend full of Uh, enzymes and bacteria and the minerals together they're having a party the poopful of their bacteria is what we spray I I also did I mention I also use a product called ambrosia I used to make my own compost tea but this is compost tea which I buy from a local company and you may you know you want the name of it fine it's a it's a you you want to know about people in Malibu this is a local Malibu company it's called organic solution you can look it up, organicsolutions.com. They make uh, a wonderful uh, compost tea, biochar, and an excellent uh, excellent um, earthworm castings. So I also use that too. I use five gallons of that. So that's it for it for now. Um, thank you very much for listening to my show. This is Andy Lopez. This is like a special edition of uh, Don't Panic, It's Organic. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.